scripture for today comes out of Matthew 22. An expert in the religious law, it says, is asking Jesus a question. We are wrapping up our Q&A series where you guys have been asking questions. And uh, they tried to trap Jesus with this question. said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So tell us, you know, you got all these religious rules and laws, which one's the most important one? To which Jesus replies, he doesn't give them one, he gives them two. I love it. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Basically, everything you have, give it to God. He says, this is the first and greatest. But like I said, he doesn't stop right there. He said, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, the Bible, the Old Testament for those guys, that was the law. All, all the demands of the prophets are based on those two things. You can hang it right there on that idea of love. Our question for today, if you haven't been journeying with us, we're at our top most voted on question. It's why do Christians spew so much hate and judgment? So we got a we got some work to do today. It's going to be a little bit tense in the room, but I, I promise you that it's going to be encouraging and uplifting, maybe a little bit challenging here and there. But uh, before, before we dive into it, what I want you to do is uh, say hello to two or three or four people. Welcome them. Uh, introduce yourself. Say uh, that you're glad that they are here. And uh, say hello to three or four people before we have a seat. All right. I want to welcome in our online church family as well, those joining us on the live stream. Uh, glad you could join us again. If this is your first time here, check it out, Freedom. I'm, I'm pumped that you're here. It's a great opportunity to come and, and uh, just meet people. I, I feel like this church, um, the people here are so welcoming and so generous. And um, man, they're just amazing people and, and all around. And so um, to me, I'm like, if you could just meet them, if you get connected with them, you're going to love this place. Um, uh, next week, like I said, we're going to have a back-to-school party. So if you have somebody who's interested in coming and checking out Freedom Church, that's going to be a great time. Uh, we'll have activities and fun things going on for the kids, uh, food, snacks, all that sort of stuff, but just a great time for, for adults to hang out too. Um, also, man, God's been so good to this church. If you haven't noticed, uh, we've been growing a lot lately. And um, people, you guys keep inviting your friends and then they say yes, and then they come, and then they, they keep coming, and then your friends are inviting friends. It's pretty fun to be a part of. Now, kind of along with that is uh, we love kids. We love the next generation, and um, our, our kids' ministry is growing. And so one of the things, just so you know, if, if you're a first-time guest, we're not going to ask you to do this, but for those of you who have kids in the ministry, and, we're gonna, and, and, and they're plugging in, and they're with Mr. Seth and the volunteers, and they're leading um, we, we need a few extra hands. And so what we're going to do is we'll be reaching out in the next few weeks or so um, to see if there's a, a Sunday that you can help in there. And we'll, we'll get you all the training and all the resources you need. But quite honestly, the ask is going to be about this, about once every eight weeks. If you have a, a student in ministry in our group, roughly eight weeks. So we, don't, we want you to be in here. We, want you, we don't want you, you know, um, a life sentence over there. But we do need some help. We're growing. And it's fun. And the kids are having a blast. 
and they're learning about Jesus, and they're falling in love with Jesus. And the next generation, I believe, like the next generation of leaders is in there. So um, to me, we're going to, we'll, I just want to prep you for that. Mr. South or myself might be reaching out in the, in the coming weeks. We don't want to overwhelm you and swamp you, but at the same time, we need some help. Now, um, well, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. We can have some conversations later. Um, uh, today, I want to talk about why are Christians uh, so mean and judgmental? Or the specific question was, why do they spew so much hate and judgment? Even more specific was than that, the question that really came in said, if the greatest commandment is love, that we just read, if the greatest commandment is love, then why so much hate and, and judgment? It's a valid question. It's a fair question. Um, you know, to me, as I'm prepping this, I'm like, oh, I want to get defensive at first and, and kind of like, you know, oh, this is a tense question. But at, at the same time, like, why is, why is anybody a jerk? Why, why is anybody mean? I mean, it could be any amount of reasons. Like, I'm a jerk because I, I got in my car today. Like, I drove to work and trying to, 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 to drive to the lab or somewhere during rush hour. Like, that's enough to get me fired up and going. I mean, my Amazon delivery package delivers in three days instead of two. You know what I'm talking about? How you get upset about that? Um, you know, no, nobody, nobody gets upset about that. I don't know. Why, why do I get in, a, in a, a mean and judgmental mode? I don't know. I'm hungry. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm hot. Like, what, what do you want? All of us can, can struggle. There are, there are mean people. There are jerks uh, everywhere. And it could be just out of, hey, we all got insecurities. You, you trigger one of my insecurities, it's, I'm probably, it doesn't excuse my behavior, but man, we, we all have our, our moments. I mean, some of you guys are Cowboys fans, all right? The season hasn't even started, and you're already eliminated from the playoffs. So, you know, have a, you know they, they're bound to be frustrated. I love you guys. I love you guys. You guys come at me pretty hard during the week, too, so I appreciate it. Jerks are everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say. It's in your family. You got that know-it-all know in-law, every profession. I mean, it's not like you don't run across mean people at the lab or at the school or anything like that. It's everywhere. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about those within the realm of Christianity. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, you're checking this thing out. Like I said, I'm glad you're here. You kind of get a pass today because you're going to get a, this is for those kind of in-house, uh, those who are part of Freedom Church family. I set some vision for just kind of RMO, how we operate, how we love Los Alamos. It's not just what happens in here. It's how we live out there. Um, but if you're here and you're not a Christian today, I think you're going to find some things, some principles and some life values that you're going to be like, you know what? I want that in my life. I got some things that I got to work on, too. I got some areas that are maybe some rough edges, so I think you're going to like what you see out of this. Now, take a second. In your brain, envision a Christian who you've encountered that's a jerk. Someone who, in the name of Jesus, has, has just either acted or said, or don't point, by the way. I said, think in your brain. That is not nice. Okay? And no pointing, no nudging, but... Do you have that person locked in your, in your brain, that, that person who wounded you, that, that hurt you, that upset you, discouraged you? Right? You probably do not have to think very far of like one or 20. Have you ever thought about that person who wounded you, about why are they that way? 
Why are they so self-righteous? Why are they so judgmental and superior? Have you ever thought about why? I mean, we might have our own reasons why, but maybe they were neglected as a kid. Maybe they were hurt and wounded as a kid. Maybe there was something that they had church wounds and, 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 and different things. Maybe they have a mental illness. Maybe they're somewhere on the spectrum, and there's things that are going on, and we just don't know exactly what their story is. Now, that person that you just thought of, I want you to take your phone out. I want you to, to find their contact information or, or get on Facebook now and, and apologize to them that you just judged them for being some hateful, judgmental Christian, and you were thinking superior things about them, all right? So let me just say something. Jerks are everywhere, you and I included. We have received our, our own church wounds and hurts, all right? If you haven't been church hurt, stick around for five minutes, and then we all have our story. But if we're honest we have probably done our fair share. So we're not immune from this. So I'm going to talk about why are they such jerks today. But quite honestly, if we're going to get anything out of today, it's not finger pointing. It's going to be why. Why am I uh, potentially hurting others? Or why am I hurting others? So I, I, want to, I want to take care of us today too in the room. Like I said, I kind of get defensive about this when I, when I see it, but we, the first year we did our Q&A series, the, 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 the number two most voted question back in 2018 is, why are Christians such jerks? And then we've had similar flavors of this question almost every year get asked, and we've had to answer in our Q&A series during the summer. So it's one of those topics that's kind of interesting. As a pastor, I'm like, this isn't going, it's not going away. It is a topic on people's brains. So I'm not afraid to talk about it, and, and let's, dive, let's dive right in. I've kind of accepted, just, this is just me personally, that it, as much as I want to get defensive about it, I just kind of own that this is kind of how people view the church, just in general, all right? The, it may not be everybody, but just from a general sense, people are not looking favorably on the church. And so I just kind of own that, to say I kind of have to prove them otherwise, to say that, no, we really do love you. No strings attached. We just want to serve. We're, I, I'm not trying to, to, to manipulate you. I can't make you believe a certain thing. Just, I, I love you. I'm gonna, and, and, and that's going to look different ways for different people. But at the same time, I just kind of accept that our, our culture, our society, does not view church and Christianity with a positive tone. Okay, that's fine. I can still move and operate. I can still be a light and hope in that. Now, you have seen this happen throughout history. There's good reason why people may be skeptical of church and Christianity. All right, the Crusades. People in the name of Jesus, hey, I'm doing God's will here, doing some horrific things. The Spanish Inquisition, slavery. I mean, if you look throughout history, there's been some pretty gnarly things that Christians have done in the name of Jesus. And so you can go throughout history, but, but you don't have to go throughout history to know you can just go into today's world. You saw it rampant in COVID, but I mean, you see it all the time in politics. We have it right here in our town, people painting the white rock rock, trying to make a statement and, and, and doing different things in Jesus' name. But, but they're argumentative. 
They're, they're, they're judgmental and, and just getting things all stirred up. And, and to me, like as a pastor, sometimes, you know, it can be just going into the grocery store and seeing how someone within our church or someone within the realm of Christianity is treating the clerk or treating the barista at Starbucks, and you're kind of like cringing, like, oh, gosh, you know, what are, what are they doing? We see it all the time. Social media is just rampant. But it wasn't just church history. It's not just today. This was in Jesus' times as well. You'll read, when you read through the Gospels, there's this idea of the crowd. There was a paralytic that, that four friends were trying to carry a paralytic to Jesus. Jesus is teaching. He had kind of been doing some healing. And they have this paralytic. They can't walk. So they're carrying their friend to Jesus. A good thing. Only they couldn't make it to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowd. The crowd was in the way. The crowd was not letting them through. The crowd had their backs to them. They're listening to Jesus. And no way you're not getting through. I'm not losing my spot for you. The crowd. There's a, a blind guy named Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking along. And Bartimaeus hears, he knows, it's Jesus. This is his one chance, his one opportunity to maybe get healing, to, to reach out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, Jesus. And what does the crowd do? If you know that story, shut up. The teacher's here. Leave him alone. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to people meeting Jesus is the crowd, the one who is there seeking Jesus in the first place. They take, they ha and they're not doing anything bad. They're, they're right on Jesus. But they're missing the bigger picture. The woman with the issue of blood, she's trying to reach to Jesus. She can't make it there because of the crowd is in the way. Sometimes We just got to admit, sometimes church people get in the way. We get in the way and provide obstacles. Which is why in the early church, when you read the New Testament beyond the Gospels, you hear things like, love one another, forgive one another, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Fight, not with one another, fight for unity. Strive to be together. There's all these commands about these one another things within the New Testament, which is why you need to be, you can't do Christianity alone. There's too many one another's and together's in, in Scripture to say, you can't do this alone. Why are all those in there? They're not suggestions, by the way. Hey, it's a good idea to strive for, for unity, to strive for peace, to accept one. No, they're commands. He's commanding, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, accept one another, love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, do these things. And it only makes sense for them to command that if that early church was an imperfect place with imperfect people. He's saying, guys, we got to do better. We, we, we got to show the world how to be a light and a hope. And I'm, hey, we got to do this right. The church, Freedom Church, is not a perfect place for perfect people. We are an imperfect church with imperfect people. This is not an excuse to go and be mean and hurtful and judgmental. It is just the reality of the situation. Wait five minutes and I will offend you. I will try not to, but I probably will. 
All right? At some point, you're going to be like, Freedom Church offends me, and we got to work together to fight through those things. Why are Christians spewing hate and judgment? Bottom line of it all is that they're not in step with the gospel. They're not in step with Jesus. I could show you many examples in Scripture, and I'll show you a few today. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul's writing about a guy named Cephas, which is actually Peter. Peter's Jesus' best friend, basically one of the main leaders in the church. Peter is, um, well, I'll just read it and I'll kind of explain it. When I saw their conduct, this is uh, Paul writing, when I saw their conduct was, say this three, three words with me, it was, not, it was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, which is Peter, before all of them, he confronted Peter, the leader of the church, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter was, was at this church, and they had Jews and Gentiles, and now all of a sudden, because of Jesus, they can mix, all right? They didn't mix before, now they can. Peter's with them both. But then a group of Jewish leaders kind of came to the church. They're all Christians. And Peter decides, you know what? I'm just going to hang with the Jewish leaders. I got Jewish background, and I'm going to kind of hang out with them. To which Paul came on the scene and said, uh-uh, buddy. We're not showing favoritism here. We're not, we're not, we, we have our gospel, the one of Jesus, the one that we are saved for, does not show favoritism. Peter was being a jerk. He was showing favoritism towards one group or the other. So what I want to do today, I want to help us identify two areas where maybe we are not in step. Two areas where you and I struggle and we can be one of those mean, hateful, and judgmental Christians that people are talking about. Now, if you think you're not, that's not you, let me just tell you, if I were to ask you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 of friendliness, how friendly are you? How friendly are you on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 not friendly, 10 super friendly, even a grump is going to rate themselves at a 5, okay? Even a grump will rate themselves. So we got some work to go on. All right, a little bit of humility. It's going to step on our toes, but it's going to help us. All right, number one, we get in the way. We get in the way of Jesus. Jesus is trying to do something, and we oftentimes get in the way. Just like you're driving the car to, to, to Lanel or to school in the morning, tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m., 7 a.m., you're trying to get through your way through traffic, and somebody cuts you off. Oh, you know the feeling. You're getting triggered right now. Blood, rush, blood, blood pressure's going and rushing to your head. Now, they, in their mind, have their own vision. For whatever reason, they saw they had a perfect opportunity to come right over. They had no problem with it. They have a different vision than you do. Now, you got all triggered and upset about that. Everyone here, you have your own vision about how church should go. I promise you, you have your own vision about how church should go. Christians are so good at this. The preaching style, the worship style. If we had carpet in here, you'd have an opinion on that. 
We, you, have, you have opinions on what programs we should run. You have, you have opinions on what Bible translations. If we had a building, you'd be like, my great-grandpa built that building way back in 1972. You have your own vision about what should be touched and what shouldn't be touched in the church world and how it should go. And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but we get in God's way all the time. I just saw a pastor who I respect just this past week. Christians in their infighting, okay? This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christians and infighting. We, it's, I'll talk about the outside world here in a second, but just within Christianity itself and how we nitpick one another, we get in the way of Jesus all the time. This pastor I respect, he was going on saying the chosen. He won't watch the chosen. Okay, fine, that's whatever. Everybody's entitled to say. But he was going off on a rant how it's like it breaks the second commandment in the Ten Commandments about creating this false idol. And he's just going off on that. And it's like, okay, whatever, have your opinion. But we lose sight. We have our own vision of how things will go, and we lose sight of what Jesus is trying to do. I've seen just even this past summer, like we did an At the Movie series for two weeks here. And I don't know what your thoughts were on it. I like to change the pace and have fun. We watched the Top Gun, and we watched just clips of American Underdog, and we take the gospel, and we wind it in, and I heard good things from it and different things like that. But I saw people on social media just going on a rant. If your church doesn't at the movie, leave immediately. They are about Hollywood and culture, and get out of there as fast as you can. And I was like, did you, did you not hear the gospel being preached, do, you know, do, can we weave these things together? I'm just saying, whatever your opinion is, I'm not trying to fight one way or the other. I'm, trying to, I'm just saying we fight, and we lose sight of what Jesus is trying to do. Back to Peter again. In Mark chapter 8, okay? Jesus in Mark chapter 8, he has his boys together. And he says, boys, we're going to start this thing called the church. And nothing's going to stop it. Which, by the way, the church is God's plan A for telling the world about him, for being a light. There is no plan B. This is it. So if you're mad at the church, if you walked away from the church and, hey, I've had my church hurt and I want to walk away, I can't because it's still his plan A. Jesus has not left his church. I, as frustrated as I can be with it sometimes, I had COVID, I was like, oh, I just want to walk away. Nope, Jesus hasn't walked away from it. He's still there. So Jesus said, I'm starting this church. Nothing's going to stop it. A few sentences later, he says, I'm headed to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I'm going to die. But don't worry, because those leaders are going to kill me. Don't worry, because in three days, I'm going to rise from the grave. To which Peter, best friend, says, you know what? No way. Jesus, I am not letting anything happen to you. I will not let that happen. So let's, let's tune in. Jesus has his vision. Peter has his vision. And it says in verse 32 of chapter 8, as he, as he talked openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Anybody want to be in the business of reprimanding Jesus? Because here goes Peter. Now listen, we, we laugh at Peter, but we've reprimanded Jesus plenty for how we think things should go. Jesus, I think you got this one wrong. Jesus, I'm not sure about that. Jesus, where are you? We, got, we have our own moments. 
He began to reprimand him for saying such things. To which Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Now, I don't know. I like to just kind of laugh at the Bible and look, look at the Bible in different ways. Like, I wonder what that look was like. <laughs> Looking at his disciples like, uh-huh. Like, you know, you have that look with your kids. When your kids say something, and you, you have your looks, right? You have the look. I want to know, how did Jesus look at his disciples? Like, hell no, he did not just say that. I did because that's basically what Jesus says. Watch, 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 watch. He turned around and looked at his disciples, and he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's kind of like mean and judgmental here. Like, uh, that's a little bit awkward. We got Matthew's over there kind of writing some things down. Are you sure you want that one in there? Like, put it down. Put it down loud and clear. You are seeing things, vision, you are seeing things from a human point of view and not God's. Why are we so mean and judgmental? We're seeing things from a human point of view and not God's. We get in Jesus' way. Peter's getting in Jesus' way. He's not calling him Satan. He's saying, but you are operating under authority that is not from heaven. You are acting of the flesh. God, I'm on a kingdom mission here, which you don't fully see, which you can't fully understand, and you're operating off of your wants and your fleshes and your preferences, and that's not my way. And, and basically what he says here is like, if you're going to operate like this, then we're going to have to part ways. Peter had a choice which many of us, if we were in that situation, we would have walked. Jerk. Can't believe he would say that. Can't believe, no way. No one's going to treat me like that. That's how the boss is going to go? No way, I'm not going down that path, and it's too much. And we see people walk all the time. Many of us, we have this vision of how things could go, and we get in the way. We have a vision, we take it into the world. We say, this is how the politics should go. This is how we should vote. All the moral issues. If you don't live this way, if you don't do these things, homosexuality, transgender, abortion, we line up all the stuff, and if you don't line up, you're out. I want to tell you something. You can have whatever, whatever issue you want, Okay? You, I, I did, a, I did a, a sermon on sin just a few weeks ago. I said, read your Bible. It's in there. We may not like it, but it, it's in there. Pick whatever side you want. I don't care. Maybe I'm wrong on how I interpret the Bible, okay? And you got your side, and here it out it is. I promise you I did not get this one wrong. Jesus loves everyone, period. No strings attached. So when we comment someone sideways who, who thinks differently, believes differently, but we cast them into hell before they even 
have a chance to respond to the gospel, we have lost sight of the gospel. Look at, look at this, look at this. Luke chapter 9. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, what did they see? They were just going through a town. Jesus was preaching to them. And that town rejected Jesus. Get out of here. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. The followers of Jesus, James and John, two of the closest guys, said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven so it will consume them? Let's get them. Burn them to the ground. Send them to hell. That's what you want, right? Jesus turned and he rebuked them. And they went to another village. I don't know about you, Jesus is only rebuking evil and Satan. It is, that was not of God. God wants everyone to be saved. He's picked everyone. Now, people may choose to reject him, but that's not our job. Before he sent a judge, and one day he will send a judge, he sent a Savior. And he's still, still, we are in the saving business. Judgment hasn't come yet. Our mission our mission is to tell people and be a light and a hope, not to go and judge. Now you're like, Mike? No, they need truth. They're blatantly sinning. They're, they're, they're doing wrong. That's what James and John were like. They're blatantly sinning. They're blatantly rejecting you. Do you want to go get them? No. I'll give you one more. Thief on the cross. He's in his final moments, his final breaths. He was the worst of worst of criminals. He's like, we deserve to die for what we did. We don't even know what he did, but he's up there, and he's in his final moments. And he says, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. To which Jesus replied, too late. You're getting what you deserve. You haven't believed in me. You see how you treated people. And now you got what's coming to you. Not Jesus. You'll be with me today in paradise. I'm not I am not backing off this one bit. We will have differences and opinions on what sin is and what sin isn't. But if we don't get this right, all right, God loves you. That's enough for me, period, to say I love you too. We may disagree, but at the end of the day, God wants a relationship with you, and I'm going to try to figure out ways. To, to, I can't make you believe anything, but to show that love and be that love and be that light. And Freedom Church, if you're going to be a part of that church, this is how we're going to operate. Now, I know some of you are like, nope, I'm out of here, and that's fine. But I'm just not backing off of this idea that God loves people. And he's given them opportunity after opportunity. The stage, this is not relational. Social media is not super relational. I can go blast people all day long on social media. It's not helpful. 
One-on-one -on -one relationships, that's where I can have these dialogues day in and day out, and we can disagree, and we walk away almost on better terms and more respect for one another. Pursue the, the relational side, not shouting from a megaphone. I'll give you one more, Galatians 6. This is out of the message translation. That's enough right there to, to make some Christians angry. Now, he's talking about Christians to Christians here. All right? He's talking about Christians to Christians. He says, when the disciples are, sorry, he says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, listen, the Bible does not back off sin. Okay? It calls it out. It does not want you to live in sin. We did, all, we, well, we did messages on it. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Don't beat them over the head with a Bible. Don't kick them out of church. I've known people in this town. They got kicked out of church and were told they were going to hell because they got a divorce. Meanwhile, the husband was beating them, and he got a pass. Forgivingly restore him. Anyone ever have a broken arm? Okay. It's kind of behind the scenes. It's given this picture of a doctor Gently putting that bone, your, your bone back into place, the mend. When someone's got a broken arm, you don't just mess around with it. You are going to gently restore them. Why? Saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Why, why do we struggle? I only got to point one, and I'm out of time, and I'll get to point two here in a second. We have our own vision. We get in the way of Jesus. How did Jesus have the audacity to say that to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How did, how did he do that? There's plenty of scriptures I could show you, but one real quick, we get a clue. Luke 5, 16. It says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He operated out of wholeness. He operated out of wholeness. The picture of Christianity is this. That we get filled up from God and out of the overflow of our relationship with God, it just spills out the hope and the encouragement and love that God has for us just spills out onto other people. But for too many of us, we operate like this. We operate out of brokenness. And I got a little bit of water. I can go and give you a sip and give you a little sip if you're thirsty and that. But it is, it is going to, I'm going to be dry and out of, out of water. And we're operating out of brokenness in our lives. 
We operate out of our hurts. We operate out of our anxiety. We operate out of unforgiveness, anger. We operate out of being burned out. You are burned out. School just started and you're burned out. You don't take breaks. Why do, why do Christians act so mean and judgmental? We operate out of brokenness. Today the invitation is to get filled up, to stop coming sideways at God and sideways at others with our own vision and say, God, you fill me up. I tell you what, as a pastor, it's the only way I survived the long game. COVID was enough to almost do me in, to say, you know what, I'm done. If this is how we're going to act, if this is how we're going to behave. Freedom Church, you guys did great, by the way, but I'm talking about Christianity as a whole. You see it, you're just like, nope, I want any part of it. But what fills me up is not Christians. It is my Savior, Jesus. I fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Jesus, you point out where my heart is wrong. You point out where my pride is causing me to stumble. You show me your love. You fill me up. You give me my identity. Nothing else can give me my identity. No matter how many people come to this church, no matter what people say about me, good or bad, my identity is not from them. It is from you, and I get filled up. We operate out of brokenness. We end up hurting ourselves, and we end up hurting others. I'm going to tell you today, whatever your brokenness is, Jesus restores and can heal your brokenness. You want to know why Christians or why people think Christians are such jerks, so mean and judgmental? Because we're fake? We won't admit that we're broken. What's God pointing out to you today? Is he showing you something where you need to slow down? Is he showing you an area where you need to zip it? Is he showing you an area where, or a person that you need to show more love to? Someone who has completely opposite views of you. There's hardly anything more like the gospel than finding someone who has polar opposite views of, of you and befriending them and loving them and accepting them. Not trying to change them or manipulate them, but just loving them. Because this is what Christ did for you. We were enemies of Jesus, it says. While you and I were still sinners, Christ died for you. That's the gospel. If you can't do that for others, you are badly deceived. Today's an invitation to get over yourself. Take off your lenses and your glasses and your vision. Say, God, give me yours. Blind Bart, fighting through the crowd. They're saying, shut up, shut up. He only screams louder. I said earlier, Freedom Church is not a, perfect, or not a place for perfect people, and we are not the perfect church. But it's an imperfect people 
where they can meet a perfect Savior. This is why Jesus came, and this is why we exist. And as long as I'm pastor, as long as I'm part of the, any church, this is what I'm going to be fighting for, for others, not for me, not because of how good I am. I'm going to screw it up. I'll screw it up. I probably already screwed it up. How good he is. That's our Savior. That's our Jesus. That's who I want people to meet. Let's stand and let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.